Report recorded live on Jupiter's third largest moon, Callisto. He's Buckaroo Banzai's most trusted Hong Kong cavalier. He's your host, Icy Robots. Greetings, Earth people. I am from Jupiter. It's me again, Icy Robots. I'm not a hero. I just sacrifice to make your life a bit better each and every week. And this week, it's going to get a lot better because we're going to talk about some movies. We're going to talk about an altercation I had over at the flea market. It's going to be a ton of fun. Just an all-around super show. And hey, Iceberg13 is back. Uh, let's talk to that guy. Hey, Iceberg, how's it going? Hello, Icy Robot. Glad to have you back, Duke. Are you ready? You ready to rock the spot? Yes. It's time for me to rock the spot. I hope you had a good time on your trip, dude. Come on, man. Show us what you got. Please allow me to rock the wheels. I got a Nintendo 64 and a PlayStation 2. I got an Atari 2600 with over 2600 fat games. And I got over 2600 death rhymes to drop on over 2600 whack lames. You are listening to the Toys R Us Report, the world's most dangerous podcast. That much is true. This is indeed the world's most dangerous podcast. So, 2.0, my loving daughter, has recently gotten some new friends. And they live a bit higher up in the hills than we do. Kind of how it works around these parts is that we live in a valley and the closer you get to the hills, the better off you are financially. If you're actually up on the hill... Man, you are doing great. There are people who live on the top, and that's like Martin Scorsese, fools like that, living way up there, looking down upon us. But these new friends she got, they live, they're on the side of the hill. So one time we're going to pick her up, and it made me start thinking about this time I had as a kid where a pal of mine and I snuck through a fence and did a bit of hiking on somebody's personal property up on the side of Rinkin Ridge. I'm not really the outdoorsy type, so going on a walk like this was a bit weird. It was weird for me. It's not something I do all the time. So, it has stuck out in my memory. I could never figure out the exact location where we were. I remember that we went through a fence, walked, I don't know, a mile, half a mile, who knows when you're a kid. It's hard It's hard to judge uh, distance. Everything seems a lot longer than it really was. It was probably maybe 200 yards. But anyway, I could never figure out where we were. I remembered the gate. I remembered what it looked like. And I remember being out there hiking and camping. And there was a giant water tower. And I have never seen this water tower since. And I haven't looked, man. We've been driving by. And I just, I want to know where this is. Because I know it was near the house. But I could never figure out the entrance point. So anyway... We were up there driving around uh, trying to figure out where her friend lived, and I saw it. I saw the gate. I couldn't believe it. There it was. So we went over there, and it brought back the memory of the camping trip. And I will tell that story in a 
I will try to make it as quick as possible. So we were up there hiking around and we brought some Tampico punch and some hot dogs. We had a pack of hot dogs. Our plan was that we were going to find somewhere, start a bit of a campfire and then roast our wieners, drink our Tampico punch and just, I don't know, have a good old time. So anyhow, we found a nice area that looked like... Around here, there is always a giant risk of forest fire. The ground is very dry. So we found a place that we thought might be safe, and we set up for our, uh, our our little campfire, as it was. It took us a few minutes. Neither of us were woodsmen. We had a lighter, but it took a minute. We got a fire going. We put some rocks around it, and before you know it, we are roasting our wieners and drinking our punch. We're having a good old time, feeling like we are out there in the wilderness doing our thing. And then... All of a sudden, disaster struck. Our school bully, this dude named Tim, came up on the trail right behind us. We were spotted, and dudes, there's nothing scarier than being out there in the public and having your bully find you at the school. You are relatively safe. He can't beat you to death because there are other people around. But we were in the woods and we're just like, this is it for us. We were doomed. This guy, Tim, was a maniac. He wasn't a pick on you kind of bully. He was a straight up punch your stomach, punch your face, kick you in the back kind of sociopath sort of bully type. I don't know if any of you guys out there ever got bullied, but the biggest fear in being bullied was that you would encounter your bully outside the confines of the school. That was almost going to be certain death, and we were so far away from civilization, I mean, we must have been like at least 250 yards away from the nearest house, and here was Tim. But then the weirdest thing happened. He came up on us, and he was just like, Hey guys, what are you guys doing? Like, like he knew us, and like we were pals, and it got me thinking... Maybe he doesn't even realize that he's a bully. Maybe that's just how he reacts to people. But at any rate, he sat down with us and started roasting wieners too. Now, we were both on guard. We had kind of the two of us over the years had devised a plan that if anything like this ever happened, we would both go like Rougeau brothers, like demolition, double team style on whoever attacked one of us. It never came up. I don't know if it would have even gone down that way. More than likely, one of us would have got beat and the other one would have ran. But in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, if this goes down, I'm jumping in there. We're both going to get tamed. It's going to be two on one. But he's sitting there. He's sitting there just being nice, being cool, hanging out, doing whatever, eating wieners. And after a bit of a, you know, a bit of time, I start thinking... Maybe Tim's just not too bad, but that is when, that's when the tables turned. After one too many Tampico punches, Tim lost his mind, and he grabbed the whole bottle, threw it on the fire, grabbed our wieners, threw them up into the tree line, grabbed my friend's backpack, threw it, grabbed my friend, started shaking him, and just went crazy. My friend managed to get free, and we were both like, dude, what's up? What do you know? What's going on? But he started making menacing faces, and we're just like, we are out of here. So we took off. We just started running like a bunch of rabbits. Tim was chasing us. It's weird to think that that the two of us were running from one dude. As an adult, it seems weird. But at the time, he was in our minds, man. He would get us one at a time, punch us, beat us, do whatever. So he he owned us, in a sense. And when it came down to it, we booked. We booked out of there. We managed to evade Tim. It was a horrifying experience. And, well, when I was out there picking up a 2.0, I discovered the place in which it all happened. And I walked in there, walked into the woods a bit, saw the water tower, and uh, when I was out there, I saw a fox. I have never seen a fox in the wild, and that was good. So we're going to leave that as the moral of the story is that uh, there is no moral, and I saw a fox in the wild, and that was the first time for me. So uh, up next, at the movies. In a moment, at the movies, without Ebert, Siskel, or even that dude Roper. 
but you got icy robots, so that's something, right? Look, I'm not going to pretend I, I know the pain you're going through, but I do know for you to get through it, you're going to have to get back in that ring. No, Mo doesn't want me to sign that. No, Mo didn't want you to sign it then. Now she would want you to actually sign the contract. Mo, you say that. Billy, every time I seen you fight, you climbed in there alone. Every time you bled, you bled your blood. When you sat down on that stool and it felt like death and you thought you couldn't get up, but you got up, you did that. You need to get back to that. You want Layla to grow up the way you grew up? You want it in the streets? It's a three-fight deal, but Let's get back to doing what we do, man. You know what? We are at the end of summer. No good movies open this week. I guess there was that one with Jesse Eisenberg, but I didn't want to see that. I don't, I don't know, man. I don't like that dude very much. So we went to see something that we missed the first time around, a movie known as Southpaw. It's a boxing movie starring Jake Gyllenhaal. It's directed by Antoine Fuqua, who directed maybe my favorite movie of all the times, Training Day. And it was written by Kurt Sutter, who is the mastermind behind Sons of Anarchy, which is a fun, but super flawed show. Now, I like Sons, don't get me wrong, I've seen every episode of Sons, there are some I've watched many times again, because it's a fun action-adventure show, but it does have some pretty weak writing, I don't know, man. I would not say, it's weird, because I would say that I like the show, and I do like it, but I wouldn't say that I'm a fan of Kurt Sutter, so I didn't know what to expect going in. Dude is the king of melodramatic writing, I wouldn't go ahead as far as call him the king, but he is, he is somewhere in the high court of TV movie melodrama, so I didn't know what to expect going in that's why we didn't see it when it was first time around we caught it at the uh three dollar theater downtown which is fun because i used to work there and it's always nice to go but i didn't know what to expect and then uh well the movie I, I hate to say it but the movie failed to deliver it is just so melodramatic the story is that of billy hope he is the light heavyweight champion and during a during an altercation with the top contender, his wife gets murdered. His wife gets shot by one of the dudes in the guy's entourage. And, well, that would be a horrible tragedy beyond all horrible tragedies. But Billy Hope is sent back into the ring maybe eight weeks later, and he's lost all of his drive to box. He loses, loses the belt, and this is his story of redemption. The story of Billy the Hope getting Hope back and becoming the man that he once was. During the course of all this, his daughter gets taken into protective custody. He loses his house. That makes me wonder a lot about his finances. I mean, dude doesn't work for a couple months and he loses his house. They call him one of the all-time great light heavyweights. He had something like seven defenses in a row. He has a $10 million per fight contract with HBO, but... When it comes down to it, he doesn't fight for a couple months, and he loses his house, loses his daughter, he loses everything, and has to start all over again. During his layoff, the dude that was involved with the murder of his wife has become the champion, and he is a different type of fighter than Billy Hope. Billy Hope is a slugger. He comes forward, arm swinging, blocking punches with his face in. This other guy is more of a finesse type. So what does Billy do? He does what everybody does in this kind of movie. He goes and he finds somebody to train him and make him into an all-new fighter. A more defensive type fighter? Yeah, 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 yada, yada, yada. I have seen this before in another movie. It was known as Rocky 3. And in Rocky 3, Clubber Lang throws a fit at a press conference. Uh, Mickey ends up getting hurt. I don't know if he gets hurt or dies. 
I forget. So what does Rocky do after losing the clubber? He goes and he finds the one guy who beat him. The one guy who is more finesse than power. That man being Apollo Creed. And he gets Apollo to train him to make him into a better defensive fighter. And that is exactly what happens here. He goes and he finds the dude who trained the guy who beats him early in his career, and he gets this guy to make him into a southpaw. Changes his stance, turns everything around, and with this, well, I don't have to tell you what happens. You can probably figure it out. Billy gains redemption. This movie really annoyed me. I don't know. I don't usually feel that way. Usually, I go, I have fun, but whatever, for whatever reason, this movie bothered me. I really wanted it to be good. Antoine Fuqua is one of my favorites. I don't think he's the best, but he did direct Training Day, which is the movie that I think I watch more than any other when it comes on. I will always watch a bit of it. It's one of the few actual DVDs that I own, and I actually, I put it in. I love Training Day. I love, I just, I don't know, man. He's a good, good director, and I always want, every time he comes out with something, I go see it, because I'm hoping he's going to have another Training Day. And I will admit that when I saw that Kurt Sutter was the writer of this movie, I did have hope, because... Even with all of its flaws, I still enjoy Sons, and I really thought, with uh, with Jake Gyllenhaal in it, I mean, Jake Gyllenhaal is a fantastic actor, and I thought with him in it, maybe we would get something special, but you don't, and I can't recommend you see it, and it might be out of the theaters where you live anyway by the time you hear this, so don't feel as if you need to go see Southpaw. Oh, it also has the uh, lovely Rachel McAdams, who I have recently had a... Uh, Recently begun a small celebrity crush on after seeing her in True Detective, and she's in it, and she's good in it. She plays the wife who, um, who, uh, who gets killed, and, well, you don't get to see enough of her in it to really warrant going to see it if you are a Rachel fan, but it's nice to see her in something, something different than the things she normally does, which, like, is, uh... The Notebook, you know, or whatever. So at any rate, I can't give this one the ISR 10 thumbs up. Can't even give it the 5 thumbs up. Maybe see it on cable if you got a couple hours to waste. But, I don't know, man. Do what you feel, I guess. If you think you still want to see it, go see it. But I can't recommend it. So you're on your own. You're on your own with Southpaw. Hey, this is Michael Bell. The voice of Duke on G.I. Joe, and you're listening to the Toys R Us Report. Yo, Joe! Make sure to visit virtualdirtmall.com and support the Toys R Us Report with a generous purchase of some retro or not-so-retro junk. Maybe a Ghostbusters action figure or a Star Trek propeller hat. It's really up to you. Virtualdirtmall.com you won't be sorry for long. Scarecrow and Mrs. King will not be seen tonight, but will return next week at this time. A Toys R Us Report Special Edition. The Battle for the Flea Market Spot. I am back. It's me again, Icy Robots. I just hit the kitchen, got myself a Diet Dr. Pepper, an ice-cold Diet Dr. Pepper. I love Diet Dr. Pepper. I love it a lot. I love it the most. I dig it the most. I probably drink more Diet Pepsi, but I do dig Diet Dr. Pepper the most. All right, we are, uh... We're getting toward the middle of the program, right? Smack dab in the middle. We are in the eye of the storm, as it was. So, let's talk about it. Let's talk about what we did this week. And it is, uh, this is turning out to be the most violent episode in the history of the Toys R Us report. 
Every segment's about fighting, every second's about whatever, and I'm going to continue that with a, with a bit of a talk about the battle for the flea market spot. So we've been having our county fair, and the county fair parking lot is the same place that they have the mojo sales. So it's been like three or four weeks without a mojo sales, and I'm thinking to myself, this might be a good one. People might be hankering for some flea market. This might be a good one. Why don't we call reserve a spot, take out some of our new stuff, and, you know, see what happens. So I call Mojo, I get our favorite location, uh, spot 633 up near the chicken barbecue, and, well, loaded up the truck with all the good stuff, I'm raring to go. It was, this has been a bit of a hard week, I do have to say. It's the first week of 2.0's high school career. She just started, and it's been stressful on her been stressful on us just adjusting to the schedule it's been a hard time it's been a hard time because she starts earlier and we've had to get up every day earlier than ever before so adding the extra early day to the weekend might not have been the best idea but I'm just like hey man let's go for the money let's suffer get up one more day early and see if we can uh stack some chips over at good old mojo sales it seemed like a good idea at the time but when it came time to implement the idea we were all at each other's throats. Um, I was super tired because I couldn't sleep the night before. I was really grumpy. I don't know, man. I just couldn't sleep. Sometimes when you know you got to get up at the butt crack of dawn, it's hard to uh, get yourself to rest just because it's stressful. It's stressful knowing you're not going to... It's self-sabotaging is what it is. But I couldn't get it. I couldn't get to sleep. Um, 2.0 was grumpy. The old lady was grumpy. And when it came time to get up and go, we were at each other's throats. It was, um, it was a pretty bad scene. And I know if you guys got teenagers, you've been in these kind of yelling scenes before. It's just the way it is. It's the way it is when you got hormones raging in the house and you're all tired at the same time. But we managed to get back together. We managed to form like Voltron and I happened to be the head. So... We got in the car, the truck. We got into the truck, into the virtual dirt mall mobile, and we headed on over to the flea market. I had packed the night before, which is, I think, the smart thing to do. I pack it all up, cover it up with a tarp, and then we can just get up and go. So we got up and went, and uh, what you do when you get there is you pull up to where Mojo is in her car, pay for the spot, you get a receipt, you get a schedule, rules, all that, blah, blah, blah. And then you go over, and people do it different. Some people get there extra early, and they unload and then they move their truck into the parking lot. But we get there. We get there. We're cutting it close to um to opening time. Because we park right in the spot and set up from there. Because I like to have the truck right there. I don't want to go and get it. And we, we have a lot of stuff. But I do not need every inch of it. It is okay for me to use it as the parking spot. And a lot of other people do. I would say it's the more common way to do it. I think that more people use their spot as a parking space. Than people who uh, take their trucks away. Because then... Then you gotta carry your stuff back with you over to your truck, and that sucks. So anyway, we went in, and um, the family went first. I paid for the spot while they went to the spot, because we had already arranged for our particular area spot, 633, which we enjoy. So we had arranged for it, and they went to go there. But when they got there, there was somebody in the spot. Somebody had their truck parked in our spot. They hadn't spoken to him yet. Because my wife was thinking maybe it was a mistake. Maybe she went to the wrong spot. But whatever. I got there and I said, no, this is uh, this is it. This is a uh, good old 630, uh, 633. So I went to um, I went to talk to the dude who was in the spot. He was kind of a rocker guy. Like an older dude. I'm thinking older than me. I'm thinking maybe like 45, 46. Bald. Um, I don't want to be a jerk, but he was fat. Fat guy, bald guy, wearing a Motley Crue shirt. A super tight Motley Crue shirt. Bald head with a blue bandana tied on it. So I went up to him, 
And I told him, um, you know, we're here now. We're here, so you're going to need to move your truck. It's no problem that you were in it, but we need to use it now. And he goes, oh, yeah, just give me a second. I need to finish right here. And I'm, you know, I, I wanted to start unloading because it's a process, and you, wanted, you just want to get started because it's no fun. But he was in the spot, and I was being polite, and I said, yeah, you know, do your thing. But he wasn't doing his thing. He kept going back, doing sales, doing whatever, rearranging stuff, and... You know, we're waiting there. We're in the aisleway. It's like we're double parked. We're double parked there waiting for the spot. So I go to guy and I'm like, I really, I really do need for you to move because we're going to have to get out of here. We have to um, move out of this aisle. And he's like, yes, I need to unload. So, you know, you're going to have to wait. And I, I told him I had been waiting for a minute and I'm not being aggressive. I'm being very friendly. I'm just, I'm trying to be polite. And then um, the wife comes over and she is a saleswoman. She works in sales. So she knows how to talk to people. And she starts talking to him. She's being ultra polite. And she starts actually helping him unload. You know, he's like, I have to get all this stuff out. And she's like, well, allow me to give you a hand. She starts moving stuff out. But it's just, it's going really bad because he has like a motorcycle up there. He needs to get out and he can't get it out. And he doesn't want us to help him because we might break it. And he won't move out of our spot. And after a while, time's going by, and it's like half an hour that we are waiting to get in there, and we are making no progress. So finally, I'm starting to get heated, because I'm already heated, and the guy is sort of ignoring us at this point. It's like, imagine one day you rent a store, and you go to get the store, and somebody's in there using it as a loading dock, and they won't move out so that you can open. And the, the early part of the flea market is when you get the most customers. People are there with their flashlights, and these are the people who buy stuff. And I'm watching them go by our truck, go by our truck, seeing what we have, but they can't get at it. So this is costing us money and I'm getting annoyed. So finally, it gets to the point where, well, things are about to get hot. And I do not want to get hot, but it's just like we've had such a bad morning and the guy is just being impossible. We're, we're not pestering him, but we're like, dude, we're double parked in the aisle. And this point, it's like 35, 40 minutes. And finally, I'm just like, guy. You really got to move. This is causing us a lot of problems. You got to get out of the way. And he goes, he goes, look, I have to unload. And I go, dude, that is your problem. It's not my problem. I've been super patient. You need to move. And he said something. I don't remember what he said. And I said something back. And things are going back and forth. And finally, I called him an idiot. I know I called him an idiot. And he screams at me, don't you call me an idiot. And you could tell, man, there's fire in his eyes. Oh, we got to take a commercial break. We will be back in one sec. Ladies and gents, it's the Betcha Bite a Chip Fight. In this corner, Andy Cassette, contender to bite a chip to hoard without biting a chip. And in this corner, Chip to hoard, champion of chocolate chip cookies. He takes a bite. Ooh. He bit a ton of chocolate chips. From the right, from the left. Champ, what's going on? Uh, nothing. Now you can get the Karate Kid Part 2 poster free in specially marked bags of Chips Ahoy. Do you remember that gimmick, that bite the chip gimmick? I remember doing that a couple times, getting the Chips Ahoy and trying to do it. I would just take a, a small nibble, a bit of a bite of the corner, and it would not get any chips. That's the way you beat that. So, back to the tail. So the dude's looking at me and he's super heated and he's just like, I guess idiot is his code word because he yells it again. Don't you call me an idiot. And I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm maybe two feet, a foot away, two and a half feet, maybe somewhere in that range away from him. And people are looking. It's weird situation. I don't like being in this, but dude's screaming. And then all of a sudden he lunged at me. He 
fully lunged at me. He shot at me for a takedown. It was more of an upper body thing. He was kind of leaned forward, uh, and he, he just ran forward right at me, but the dude was super slow, and I'm not saying I'm tough. I'm not saying I'm quick. I'm not saying I'm anything. I just, I just kind of, uh, I just got out of the way. He lunged forward, and he kept moving forward, and before you know it, I was behind him. I did what, uh, I did what Bruce Lee would have done in, uh, this situation. What's your style? My style? You can call it the art of fighting without fighting. The art of fighting without fighting? Show me some of it. Later. So I'm standing behind the dude and he's he's looking around like, where did I go? Like, I just did some amazing magic kung fu. And then he turns around and he starts to uh, he starts to do the same thing again. He starts coming at me with his arms out all weird. And I put my boxing stance up. I don't know what I'm thinking. I just put my hands up and he saw me and he just like he stopped in his tracks. He stopped his momentum like, ah, what's this guy doing? And he's like. That's it. I'm going to get Jackie. Jackie is Mojo, who runs the flea market, and dude runs off to get her, and... I don't know. I practiced the art of fighting without fighting. I got one over on this dude who was starting trouble with me, and I'll tell you, it's a pretty good feeling. I don't like being involved with anything, but I did like the opportunity to practice the, uh, the Jeet Kune Do of my heart. So, Jackie comes back, and she's just like, you haven't set up yet. Uh, what's this guy doing in your spot? And she made a move, and it was great, and then we finally got to set up. So... After all this, we finally were just back where we started. But I did feel like it was it was a bad scene because it did cost us a bit of money because people don't like seeing that kind of stuff. You don't want to go and vend from somebody who's out there freaking out. People were leaving. People went away. And it just it took us a while to get back to normal because no matter what happens, you're still a bit pumped up. You're a bit adrenalized. So it did take me a minute to get back to normal. I don't know. I felt like Billy Hope in Southpaw. I felt like I was out of control. No, I didn't really. I was just... A bit wound up, but a bit excited wound up. A bit excited on the good side. So we finally got our stuff out there, and overall, we had a really good day at the flea market. I brought a bike that I've been wanting to get out of my garage forever. It's a three-speed. It's English. It's a beautiful bike. I love it. I used to ride it every day, but it's problematic. It's old. It has a a three-speed internal gear, and it's just, it's a problem. It's always broken. The front tire wobbles. I was hoping to get a hundred bucks. It's like a two or three hundred dollar bike, but it's going to need some work. So I thought a hundred bucks would be good, and I wasn't able to sell the bike, but... I did sell a bunch of stuff. We sold a bunch. We made like, I don't know, 350 bucks, which is pretty good for just being out there for like four and a half or five hours. I mean, we had to give up some sleep, but we just came home. We took a nap. We, uh, and it was all good. It was all good in the hood. We had a lot of fun at the Mojo sales this time around. Okay, so that's the story of the battle for the spot. We will be back in a moment with the final segment of the show, the Toys R Us report. Please drop by supportthereport.com and consider becoming a show patron for as low as a measly dollar a month. It's the right thing to do. You've made it this far. It's time. The final segment. Your weekly toy shop update. The Toys R Us Report. 
thanks my dudes thanks for sticking in this long thanks for making it through the commercial break we are back this is it this is the final piece of the show this is the end of the toys r us report so what did we learn today not much we learned i used to get bullied uh i used to not go into the woods all that much and when i did it turned out bad we learned that uh you need to get there early at the flea market so you can set up your space and not get in other people's way or you might face the wrath we learned uh that's about it so let's see what we saw over at the toys r us this week not that much they are still in uh getting ready for school mode i don't know man it's just super messy over there not having any fun can't find anything backpacks everywhere austin mahone backpacks one direction backpacks you name it just all sorts of whack packs with whack characters on them but um we hit the barnes and nobles 2.0 wanted to get a book so we went over there and um they sell a bit of toys so I did hit it up, and I found some stuff I was into. They have a very nice reaction figure display over near the, uh, graphic novels. Now... I don't even as much as peek at the graphic novels over there. If I'm going to get a comic, I get it at my local comic shop, Comics for the Win, with my boy Chris. Check him out on Facebook. Uh, Comics for the Win, Santa Rosa Comics FTW. You can find it here. You are good at finding stuff. So I didn't check those out, but I did check out the reactions, and they had some that they did not have over at the TRU. Those ones were being the CW show characters, The Flash, and The Green Arrow. I am a big fan fan of the Green Arrow. I was super impressed with him over at SummerSlam the other day. Just, uh, just to toss that out there, Stephen Mill, you did great. You, uh, you, look, you looked awesome, dude. If I were you, I would be pretty proud of that. So anyway, I saw the Stephen Mill Green Arrow with and without the mask. They had the Dark Archer. They had a death stroke, and they also had the Black Canary, and I actually purchased her. I very seldom purchase figures, but when I do, they tend to be reactions, and I got myself a, uh, a Katie Lots. I got a Black Canary, so take that, CT from Nerd Lunch. If you happen to, uh, if you for some reason happen to be listening, I got myself a Black Canary action figure, and I love her. I think she's great. She will be hanging out with me from now till the rest of my days. So, they also had the Flash, um, they had the Flash and Reverse Flash. I don't even know who else is in the set, but that was it as far as new reactions, but they don't got those over at my local uh, TRU, so I don't know if it's kind of like a distribution thing. Maybe they get some, and Barnes and Noble get others, but... I probably should be checking out the old uh, B&N more often than I do. I do go there maybe once a month, maybe once every other month. I read this magazine called Empire. It's a movie magazine. I like to pick that up. 2.0 has some rock magazines that she likes to get. She likes to see what um what 21 Pilots or whoever is up to nowadays. So we do roll through from time to time, but... Maybe I should be doing it a bit more often. Or maybe not. Who cares? I got plenty of fun stuff to do. So I guess that's about it. We are going to get out of here. This is it. Toys R Us report episode number 49. Can you believe it? 49 in a row. Anyway, episode number 49. This is me, Icy Robot, sending out for, uh, going to send some shout outs. Engineer Nerd, everybody over at Acting Figure Blues, Ferg, No Swear Gamer, Vic Sage, everybody at the Retro Junkies Network, Willie the Space Pirate. We love all you guys. We love all you guys. We would not be where we are without you. And since we are nowhere, who knows where we would be. This is me, Icy Robot, signing off. If you don't know, now you know.
recorded live on Jupiter's moon Callisto. This has been an IC Robots Radio production.